This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. You see, the reality is this. We all have a problem. You, me, every man, woman, boy, we have this problem called sin. Sin. In fact, we were born in sin. Psalms 51 verse 5. David writes this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin my mother conceived me. Perfect. Here's, here's the proof. Who taught the two-year-old how to lie? When you look at the state of the world, Are you discouraged by what goes on? You don't have to look too far to see that there's a lot of pain and hurt in this world. The Bible has a clear answer for where all this comes from, and it's sin. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be sharing that we all sin, and we all suffer from sin. Luckily, when Jesus came, He took care of sin. Thanks to Him, we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are made free in Jesus Christ. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Titus chapter 2. As he continues his message, trained by saving grace. How can one who surrendered their lives to Christ, saved by the grace of God, live in a way as there's no God? It must be evident in our life and how we walk. They should see in you the result of saving grace. What does saving grace looks like? Well, look at, look at Austin. Look at Jerry. That's what saving grace looks like. We live in a world filled with people who do not have God. I believe there are more atheists today than there were years ago. Not because of the time, but I remember I was reading a book and it opened up by writing about the passing of Billy Graham. He said, there will never be another Billy Graham because the generation that made him possible no longer exists. And that is the truth. You say God, they're going to say, which God? And I always say, don't say, yeah, you can say God. If you say Jesus Christ, it changes the, the conversation. It will bring conviction. Or they will deny and reject Christ. If you say Jesus Christ, they know what God you're talking about. And so we ought to live. We, li- we live in a world where many people do not believe in God. The world around us needs to see the evidence of God. How do they see the evidence of God? By looking at how you live your life to show that you've been saved by grace. You've been saved by grace. Let your life be the evidence of what God's amazing grace can do. The second thing is teaching us, grace is training us, we're to deny worldly loss. Worldly loss. 
And it's not only sexual immorality, it's not only sexual sin, but it's a, it could be a lust for wealth, a lust for power, a lust for pleasure, fame. Worldly lust. We're to deny these things. You see, you and I have received the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God. We are born again and we turn away from these things. We shouldn't be drawn to these things. We should turn away from these things. Looking at this negative part in the life of a Christian, things we're to deny. Paul is telling you to deny it because Christians still struggle with this. We, we're not perfect. Only Jesus is. I know many of us, we examine ourselves right now. You think, oh, is he talking to me? All of us. We're all in this together. You have some Christian who say, well, I, I, I know that I do these things and you know, I know that I have ungodly, uh, have ungodly characters and, and, and I struggle with worldly lust. But God knows my heart. God knows my heart. Can I tell you something? I know your heart. Yeah, Pastor Eddie knows your heart. You know why? Because your heart is just like mine. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So I know your heart. You know my heart. We all know each other's hearts. Are we agreeing with that? According to scripture, it's all wicked. I may not know your intentions. Only God knows that. I don't know your intentions. We don't know each other's intentions, but we do know the heart. Every heart is deceitful. Above all things, it is desperately wicked. And the next thing that Paul said, okay, God knows now. Okay, you got me there. But, you know, when I sin, you know, I'm under grace. I'm under grace. I'm covered with grace. The grace of God. The grace of God is not for the believer in Jesus Christ to use it as a license to sin. Now, let me tell you something, that Paul even addressed this thinking, the Apostle Paul. Why? Because this thinking started all the way back in the garden. There's nothing new. You see, the heart of man has been corrupt since the garden. It's still corrupt. Two things that are always guaranteed, regardless of the century, regardless how, how ancient or how future it might be, as long as God should tarry. One thing that remains the same since the beginning of time is the heart of man is corrupt, and the word of God is true. And in order to change the heart, we need repentance. We need to be right with God and learn from the word of God and how to live right, to honor him, to glorify him. And Paul understood this thing because people are thinking like that today. Thinking I can live there any way I want to. Oh, grace, God understands. Yeah, I'm being renewed day by day. What kind of relationship is that? This is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. You can't take advantage of grace. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? We died to sin. We repented. We became born again. We died to sin. Romans chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. 
Paul, listen, we weren't, we're not, there were people, ancient times were thinking about this. They didn't have, you know, cable with 200 channels and the cell phone to keep them. No, they thought they, they were, the men would gather in the courtyard and talk about doctrine, theology, or politics, philosophy. That was entertainment back then. You see, the grace of God freed us from the bondage of sin. And after Christ had freed us from the bondage of sin, why would we return to bondage? The children of Israel, God set them free after 400 years in bondage of slavery. Sent them free is a picture of that. And after they're in the desert, I want to go back to Egypt. They just killed your grandfather. There's no union over there. You're going to build Egypt. You know, there's no medical coverage. And they treat us bad for 400 years. We're in bondage. Why would you want to go back? It's the same way. If, 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 if a man was locked in a cell with no bread and water, but the only food he had was slop that they would serve pigs, he's set free. The keys turned. They're out of the cell. They're now free. They can have lobster, whatever, cheeseburgers, whatever it is. They're free to eat, live free. They left bondage. It's as if God opened the door through Christ, set free from this cell, and we go back. Why would we go back to sin? It's a foolish thing to go back to bondage, especially the bondage of sin. It's a foolish thing to think that God, the grace of God is a license to sin. Paul shares that thought. One thing to know as we look at how we live our lives as Christians is that you will reap what you have sown in the flesh. Understand that. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, Paul writes this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He who sows in his flesh will also will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You reap what you sow. We come to the cross. We believe we, we repent our sins. We're forgiven. But there are consequences. You're going to reap. You're going to reap what you sow. Many a times we think, oh, God's going to forgive us, and then there's no penalty. Well, there's no penalty as far as life. You, you know, you're saved by grace and if you remain in faith in Christ, you know, you have eternal life. But what happens is we think that once we sin that the penalties are taken. You're, gonna, you're the one that got yourself in that trouble. Hey, listen. All the sickness that we have, the aging and all the sicknesses, it's all the result of sin. Sin brings that up. So that's the result of it. But we have eternal life through Christ. Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. The Lord said, take note. You have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. Some people are good at covering up things. But you can't cover it up with God. But God loves you. God loves you, so he chastens you. It's like a parent. A parent that really loves a child will discipline the child. You see, the reality is this. We all have a problem. You, me, every man, woman, boy, girl, we have this problem called sin. Sin. In fact, we were born in sin. Psalms 51 verse 5. 
David writes this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin my mother conceived me. Perfect. Here's, here's the proof. Who taught the two-year-old how to lie? Anybody? You had a two-year-old that always said the truth? Who taught the two-year-old? Who did this? Not me. Two-year-old. Who taught the two-year-old how to lie? It's natural. It's the flesh. We're born in sin. It all starts back from the garden because of one man. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin. I don't know if you heard this before. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Now, some people want to get technical with the word sinners. We were sinners before the cross in that we don't practice sin. Do we sin as believers? Yes, we do. (laughs) We sin all the time. But we learn, we're convicted when we do sin. That's the good thing. The Holy Spirit said, you know what, Ed, you blew it here. We're going to do it better the next time. This is why when we were sinners, we need to be born again, saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Salvation is a gift of God. How much does a gift cost you? I mean, if you've been conned for a dollar for a gift, then you have a problem. But all gifts are free. It's free. Salvation is free. Now, I know times are, it, it's difficult. You may not be the one taking advantage, saying the grace of God is it's a license to sin. Or saying, yeah, God knows my heart. You may not be that, but you may be that one to say, you know what, I'm, I'm doing my best. I really am. I'm struggling with this. You know, God is faithful. And here's where the grace of God trains us. This way it helps. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, it says, For I have worked harder than any of the others, just to Paul speaking, more than, harder than any other apostle. Yet it, is, it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. That's what God does. He grace, the same grace that saved us, trains us. It teaches us. When we sin, we come to the Father. We come to the advocate, Jesus Christ. And I love what 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says. This is the Christian bar soap, saints. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful. Underline that in your Bible. He is faithful. Every time you ask him to forgive you, he is faithful. And just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some? No, all unrighteousness. This is the work of God. By his grace, saints, don't use the grace of God as a license to sin. Fear the Lord. That's why it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. (laughs) It's great to know that, hey, there's a God that he loves you and he chastens you. But we can always come to Christ and he's faithful to forgive. Don't use grace as a license to sin, but allow the grace of God to teach you to avoid sinning, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. The next thing, here's the things we're to pursue. Those are the things that we're to deny. 
Here's the things we're to pursue. We should live soberly, says in the middle, verse 12. We should live soberly. Familiar word is self-control. Righteously. The word righteously here speaks of a, a call to goodness towards fellow man. Whenever you see the, the, the words righteousness and godliness, the difference is this. Righteousness is horizontal. It's towards man. That's righteousness. Opposite of it is unrighteousness. Godliness is vertical. So we want to live godly. So it, it, not, it not only offends man, but obviously if it offends man, it's going to offend God. If it's, it's sin against man, it's a sin against God. So the horizontal and the vertical must be right. We must live a life as if we have a relationship with Christ, as if we have been saved by grace. Be careful of these things that are righteous and things that are godly. We ought to do what is right at all times, at all costs, at all counts. John Wesley made this statement. John Wesley said this, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Well put. That's a mouthful, but it covers all the bases. At the end of verse 12, he goes on to say, live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That is now. Just as it was in Paul's day, it is now. We need godly men and women who have been saved by grace to live godly in this present age. It speaks of a relationship with God. It shows the world that there is a God by the way you live. There's proof that there is a God. Especially those that know you in your, in your BC days before Christ. You know, I have so many friends that says, What, Eddie? Dude, I thought you'd be in jail. You became a police officer, now a pastor? Say, yeah, God is amazing. <laughs> you know, God is amazing. It shows the grace of God. It shows the grace of God. We are to be godly, Christ-like in this present world. It's this salvation that we have through Christ, this godly living that is needed for today. Well, we looked at the grace of God appeared to all men. The grace of God teaches us. Thirdly, the grace of God gives us hope. It gives us hope. Look at verse 13. It says, looking for the blessed hope. Blessed hope, the word blessed, you, you probably remember the Beatitudes, right? Uh, blessed are the weak, blessed are the poor, right? Blessed are those, you know, okay. It's the word happy. 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 And so happy, we have this happy hope. As believers in Christ, we look to this blessed, this happy hope. How tragic it is when a person has no hope. No hope for the future. No hope for now. This world is filled with people with no hope. And where can they get hope when they find the believers in Jesus Christ living a life as if there is hope? You know, before we came to Christ, we also were without hope. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20. It says, at that time you were without Christ. Be aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the 
covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now we have Christ, so we have hope. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Without Christ, there is no hope. Because hope is not in a thing. It's not looking in the calendar. Hope is not in the wish. Hope is in a person. The person, Jesus Christ. Hear me. Hope is in the person, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God and Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. When our hope is in God, we look to the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to remember this. Understand this. This is a biblical fact. This is the truth. There is no such thing, listen, there is no such thing as a Christian that has no hope. Doesn't exist. There's no such thing. Then he's not a Christian. No such thing. It doesn't exist. You know why? Why? Because of this. Our hope is in a person, Jesus Christ. And if Christ is in our heart, we will always have hope. Always. We're different from the world. We have Christ. We have hope. It's in our heart. So there's no such thing as a Christian having hope. When you hear a Christian say, oh, I have no... Are you you saved? Well, let me show you what the Bible says. What you're saying is not true. It's against Scripture. You have Jesus Christ. You have hope. You have hope. He's in your heart. He'll always be. Now, you might be consumed with circumstances and trials and tribulations, and you may think, where is this hope? Uh, It's still there. You just need to find time in the Lord. You say, Lord, this is what I'm going through. It just seems that there's no hope. But Lord, my hope is in you. And Lord, this is what I'm going through. I'm going to leave it in your hands. It's better in his hand than yours. Trust me. We have hope because we have Christ. He dwells right here in our hearts. But every single one of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, born again, a believer, hope is always with us. It never leaves. It never leaves. It's always in our heart. Now, Allow me a little bit just to park here on this hope because hope for a Christian is different from that of the world. And we already know. And the word hope is used like the word love. The world doesn't know love because they don't know Jesus. The only way to know true love, but God is love. It's not like it's added to him. He keeps it in his pocket like Batman. He has a utility belt. Here's love. Here's grace. No, he is love. Everything about God is love. So the world, anything outside of God is not true love. How do we know that? Look at the cross. That's love. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie is working through the book of Titus. When it comes to running the race, the book gives us clear sound advice for living like in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, which say, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. That's just one small piece of the wisdom buried in the book of Titus. Pastor Eddie has a lot more to share with you, so be sure to come back again. 
Are you learning as much as I am from these messages? Want to be a part of sharing the good news through this ministry? Jessica is here to share with you how to step in. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. If you missed that website, it was runningtheraceradio.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Calvary Chapel of Milford, just click Back to Homepage. Thanks for being here with us today on Running the Race.